All right, man. We're back here with Golden Bracket Racing, Casey and George, Golden Bracket Racing YouTube channel. And this is the one that everybody's been waiting for, getting ready to go 2,900 on that FTI. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What do you say about that? Play that, uh, play that video, George. This man needs no introduction other than this video. Play nope. that video. No introduction needed. Guys, bear with me. I'm going to queue up something, and we're going to have a, a good show for you today here. Give me about two seconds, and uh, we'll uh, bring it right to you. Hang in there. In the dirt with my boy Jimmy. So here we go. First round right here. It's going to be on us if we can't turn on uh, some electricity. Hot rod's been flawless again. We're dialed in on a 736. As the weather has warmed up, here we go. We ready? Everybody knows who's on the show after that. You know what I mean? Twenty nine hundred on the FTI. <laughs> Rodney Fisherman, everybody. I know you, you. You don't need an introduction, Rodney. How's it going, man? Hey, man, it's going good. I, I tell you what. I, uh, obviously, we tried to do the show last week, and uh, my better half had had a little bit of surgery, so we had to put it off a week. And I'm gonna tell you, about an hour ago, there was a storm came through. We got trees in the road. We got. We got creeped out of the bank, you know what I mean? I actually just drove down the road and caught me a wide spot here, and I'm in the car, you know what I mean? But the show must go on, you know what I mean? So here we are. <laughs> You're coming to us loud and clear too, Rodney, man. We appreciate you a lot for coming on the show with us here. Casey, what you got going on over there for him? Man, first of all, I just want to get, can we get a like and share here? Can we get a like and share? Like and share, baby, like and share. <laughs> yes, That's what we're talking about. That's how it works. Yes, sir. We got some stuff uh, stuff ready for Rodney here queued up, but uh, if you guys got any questions, of course, put it there in the chat. We got uh, Champ here saying like and share, just like we heard right now. Uh, we got Kevin Grider tuning in from Wichita Falls, Mopar Man, NorCal Coast checking in, Fincham, DS2, whoever that is, he said he wants to hear the line 2900 on that MTG. <laughs> 
He wants to hear the what? He wants to hear you put it on there, uh, 2,900 on that FTI, put it in deep. Usually, like I say, when I'm rolling in, I pour it in. It's going to be 2,900 on the FTI, baby, put it in deep. 7.35 on the dial board, baby. Here we go. I'm in, he's in. We're to the finish line now. No, man, you've been having a good season. Far, man, winning a couple pretty good races, I heard, uh, taking all the way there with you. So uh, tell us a little bit about what's been going on this year, man. Tell us a little bit about how the season's going for you. Well, I'll tell you what, obviously, um, 2018, I guess it was, uh, we got on a little roll toward the end of the season. Uh, we'd won a 20 grander. We ruddered up at, at a 10 grander down in Florida, and uh, then the season was over. You know, we did the PRI show that year, man. It was absolutely phenomenal. Then last year, you know, we expected to come out far off well. We were doing okay, then COVID hit. So COVID shut us down for a while, as everybody. And uh, we got fired back off, and we just had a mediocre season. But I'll tell you what, man, we, you know, we, we nickname everything. The old Green Bean, the Green Nova. Uh, we got the gray ghost. And I don't know what we're going to call Jake's yet. Trouble, I guess. <laughs> it seems like we only have trouble in that thing. But, yeah, we got off to a really good start this year. Uh, and that's the difference in 2018. Here I, you know, done really well in a couple of big races on the big stages. The season was over. Like, man, that was that was like putting me in a casket all winter. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to myself. So here I've got this year. We fired off. We, we get out to um, uh, Piedmont Dragway to one of the loose rocker races and find myself in the finals with none other than nasty Nick Hastings, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, uh, obviously, I've got my mouth full here. And uh, go out and put down a pretty decent little run. Like, I'm, I'm holding two or three hunts. Uh, I leave, I'm, I'm 19 or 20 at the tree. And I go down there, and he rolls up on me, and I think, all right, nasty Nick, take some of this right here, you know. And I set that thing down. He does what he does best. He catches all of it. Takes about five foul, and I think he was maybe eleven dead four, and I was dead in the water. <laughs> and and I, I just knew that I had. I just knew that he couldn't get in what I was fixing to throw down. You know, but he did doing what he does best. And so uh, anyhow, we leave there, and I wasn't even going to Piedmont. Like the day before I left, I hadn't even called Shane. And I call him up, and I'm like, man, what we're going to have to do is get that old hot rod ready. He said, I'll have it ready when you get here. And I, That's my boy, you know. So, uh, and then after we did that, the Mississippi race was next. And uh, so it wasn't a going. And, uh, but obviously, we'd had a good week. So uh, the day before, I decided to roll out. So we go down there, and sure enough, I find myself in the finals for 20, get, 20 grand against the Ellison. One of them Ellison boys. And uh, obviously, they're having a phenomenal season. They always do. And uh, I was lucky enough to survive right there. I was perfect at the tree. Go down, lay down a pretty good lap and survive that. And uh, so we're off to a good start. We got the whole season ahead of us. And uh, I've already got a bushel full of stories. <laughs> we ain't even a month and a half or two months in, you know. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so Rodney, we do this a lot here at the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. Uh, if you haven't guys already, go ahead over there to that YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, you'll get notified every time we go live. Uh, you'll definitely be doing a Going Bracket Racing a pretty good service as well. So, uh, but, but Rodney, we do this just about with every guest. How did you get into this 
wonderful sport that we like to call drag racing. Um, there, there's got to be an interesting story behind that. Oh, bar none. Uh, uh, when my, my dad, uh, he went to Vietnam back in 69, I guess it was, 68, 69, right around in there. And when he got back, obviously uh, he was having a little bit of fun, and I guess that's where I came about. And so I guess I was drag racing. I had it in my blood before I was even thought of, you know what I mean? And uh, so I grew up watching my dad, my hero, uh, uh, race. It, actually, the 66 Ford Falcon that I, that I own uh, is, is what I grew up watching my dad drive. I mean, I, uh, I, I believe I thought he was supposed to win every week because he almost did. And, uh, and so, you know, all my young life was spent at the racetrack. Uh, uh, I've been doing this now 33 years actually driving. But I'm 49, fixing to be 50, and I've had bracket racing, drag racing, uh, ever since I was in diapers, uh, going to the racetrack, watching my dad, and I got my start. I was born in 71. I got my start in, in 88, and the rest is just history. But I, I was hooked. I was hooked at five, six-year-olds. I wasn't junior dragsters, so I was running around with Matt Hensley and and uh, Hood and all the crowd, you know, when we were, the more dust that flew off your feet, you know, the bigger burnout you had, you know what I mean? We were hand racing or playing with the matchbox cars, all alive. So it, it, it was just bred in me. I, I didn't have any choice. I mean, we were at a racetrack every single weekend and and, uh, and I owe it all to my dad uh, for that. I mean, obviously uh, anybody with their dad, we don't always see eye to eye. I'd have never got where I'm at without him. And then I just put a little of my twist on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that. <laughs> sounds well familiar, doesn't it, George? It does, it does. It sounds about like Casey and I, you know, where uh, I'm 36. And Casey, you 34? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, you think so? <laughs> yeah, you might have got somewhere. But, yeah, no, we uh, we kind of came up the exact same. I got hooked when I was about five or six in the, eight, in the late 80s, 88. As I think that's when my dad started getting at it. And like you said, uh, um, without him, me putting a little bit of spin on what I watched him do that whole time, uh, that's why that's how I got my career or my my uh, love, uh, my burning for drag racing because it's something I don't know what it is. A little bit stronger than love sometimes, if you ask me, but but uh, I don't even know if that's possible. So I understand you got quite a few cars, Rodney, or at least you pilot quite a few. What are, what are you driving? Well, uh, obviously it goes back to Shane Cook. Now, here you go. Without my dad, I would have never been here. But without Shane Cook, uh, I met him at the drag races. Uh, he started showing up. A guy, Chan Williams, uh, 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 that he's kin to through marriage and family and stuff of that nature. He got to going up and hanging out. And we became buddies. And next thing you know, he's starting to race a little bit. And blah, blah, blah. We're all parking together. And and now we're 20-something years in friendship. And without him, uh, I really think my last five, six years probably wouldn't have even been possible. Uh, he's a Chevy guy. Uh, he likes those Novas. Uh, we got the Green Bean. That's a 68 Nova. The Grey Ghost, we call it. That's a 70 model Nova. His son, Justin Cook, drives it now. And I'll tell you what, he's come a long way in a short time. Like, he, he grew up around the racing, but he wasn't like me, you know, he wasn't there every weekend, but, but he's got hooked on it in the last four or five years, and man, he's come a long way in a short time. That, that, the old gray ghost is really solid. He's beginning to show up unnoticed, 
you know what I mean? And by the time he leaves, he's noticed, you know. So, so we got those two cars. We got my 66 Ford Falcon. Uh, and uh, my son's got a, I think it's 70 or 71 Vega wagon. So my dad's got Mustangs and, you know, so I, I pilot a little bit of everything. And, uh, and actually, uh, we've got a few things in the making. Uh, David Collins, Collins Trucking. You can hear me talk about them a lot when I'm a racing. Uh, uh, he's helped me a ton over the years, you know, helped me go to some of the bigger races. And we've really got something up our sleeve here in the next few weeks that I'm not going to announce just yet, but uh, it could be interesting. If everything falls in place, we've got some pretty good plans here the next two or three weeks. And I might get to wheel something uh, as fast as I've ever wheeled in my life as a door car and maybe in the foot brake side of it. So I'm really looking forward to it and hope that it pans out. Oh man. Oh man. There it is. <laughs> With that being said, everybody, uh, head on over to the Fast and Fish on the Facebook there. Hit that old uh, like and follow button, like and share. Get his name out there. Get everything spread across our lovely sport and uh, tune in because I have a feeling something's coming down the pipe. And uh, if if you're not subscribed, you're gonna miss out. All right. If you're not if you're not on that like, you're not you're not gonna see what I'm gonna see because I'm gonna be watching uh, firsthand to see what's going on here. Uh, Casey, what you got? Well, I was just going to say, so if this thing is going to be faster than something you ever piloted, surely it ain't going to be Hucklebuck and Hot Rod. Well, I'll tell you right now, Hucklebuck and uh, won't be an option if I'm driving this, I'll tell you. <laughs> we, we might be more in that rippity-rippity deal, but we won't be Hucklebucking this thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if I put my old hot rod on its lid and, and tore every piece off of it, we wouldn't be out a whole lot. But if I put a scratch on this thing, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard, heard that. So, but... One of the best things about your racing program, in my opinion, is how you consistently can show that uh, you can you can consistently win with a mid seven second bracket car just as much as you'd win with some like fast state of the art new everything car. And I just wanted you to expand on that a little bit for some of our listeners, like how you're not necessarily at a disadvantage just because you got a slow car. Because I know drag racing in theory is. He who gets closest, or he who gets the finish line first, and obviously bracket racing was invented to alleviate that. And I just felt like you would be the perfect person, someone who's pretty successful racing and in in the public eye and things like that, but does it in a different way than a lot of people go about it, where you don't have a 440 dragster. Uh, a lot of times you're driving a you know seven second door car. And, uh, and you're running guys like Kevin Pollard that might as well be running top ball. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. uh, just, just could you expand on that a little bit of what your theory is there? Well, you're exactly right. I mean, as the years have progressed, uh, equipment has gotten so, so good. So it really, I mean, I go back in the days of Steve Stites when he was one of the baddest dudes to ever wheel anything in a street Cavalier like now I've won in everything, uh, from Dodge minivans to seven second hot rods and blah, blah blah, but not on the stages that Steve Stites did in a street car. But um, that has changed a little bit. I mean, cars have gotten so good nowadays, blah blah, blah that it's gotten tougher. The slower you are, the tougher. But uh, the thing about it is, is that's what I like about bracket racing. And I love, that's the biggest thing that I love about what I did. 
I have proved that you don't got to have forty, fifty thousand dollar pieces of equipment to compete on the biggest stages. And when I say that, now there's a lot goes into the slower car. I mean, obviously, the longer you're on the racetrack, every single thing adds up double. So I really have to work hard to get my stuff good, and then throw a little driving in. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, but it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it can be done. Uh, uh, it's but if you've got the best equipment in the world, if you've not got it tuned right and you can't do this, then you're no better off. So it's just all about what everybody's trying to do. Uh, uh, get your fingers dirty, you know, get these things tuned up. Uh, but, but there's, like I say, in the faster cars, the slower cars, it's a different game, you know. So you just learn to play the game. Uh, uh, it's not just, you know, everybody thinks that uh, you get in a, a drag car, and you hang on and you go straight and you watch one of my videos and for the most part that's what we're doing but there's a lot more going on in that race car and that's why i love doing the videos i love showing what good bad the hard parts the easy parts i love showing it and uh i love doing it in slower stuff because uh, a lot of times people write you off especially fans when they don't know much about it and they see how slow you are but then they see you win that race and they're like and I could do that. Yep. You can. Yep. You know, so I love showing that part of the sport. Yep, yep. I love it too. And, and that's part of going bracket racing here. What we've tried to do the best is is just bringing a awareness to the fact that it, it really doesn't take forty or fifty grand and a, and a big stack of trailer and a big toter home. And if you got it, hey, I I want one too eventually, but I don't have it yet. You know what I mean? And it's like, all right. Uh, Maybe I can get something done here. I raced the Cavalier when I first came. I didn't come up from Junior Directors either, you know. So I had a little little four-banger Cavalier that I figured out I could I could put the brake to the floor and put the gas to the floor at the same time. So I guess I created somewhat of a trans brake button in that little in that little red Cavalier, and people started to, to ask, "How are you how are you double on the tree?" Uh, well, I kind of got a trans brake. You just don't know about it, for lack of better terms. There, you know what I mean? I think I was doing a little bit more than twenty. 2900 on whatever type of uh, converter sitting that bad boy uh, but uh, but uh, no definitely uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up here and and you also kind of kind of segue kind of give me a, a good jump into my next question here how did you start recording yourself doing this like who gave you the idea to be like hey Rodney man you're the funniest guy <laughs> one of the funniest guys I know number one uh, record yourself going down the track so people can see what's going on I'm glad you asked that. Tucker McCandless, a great friend of mine, we were at Lake Cumberland Dragway, and, you know, these new phones and stuff, I, they were out, but obviously I didn't have one, and he came up to me, and obviously he had spent a many a evening, you know, out of the races, under the, around the fire, you know, telling stories, and, and, and the funny thing about that was I wasn't videoing myself, but I was actually, I had a cheap phone and I was calling people and sticking my phone up in my helmet and I would tell the run, you know? And, and I had done this with Tucker and my mom and my kids. And, you know, I'd be in a big round and I'd stick that phone up and I'd do everything you see on the video. And so he'd come to me and he said, man, you ever videoed yourself going down the racetrack? Well, I know, I ain't got nothing to video with. He said, well, my phone will do it. He said, if you'll, if you'll do it, we'll do it. He said, man, I think you've got something here. And I said, all right, you know. Well, at this time, London Dragway uh, uh, and foot brake, as long as you had belts on both sides, you could ride a 
a passenger. So I put Jake in the car. Jake was about 10 at the time. And so I put him in there with me, and he holds the phone and video <laughs> records me. And, that, and it's on YouTube. It, I was 019 or better dead on. That's the first video I ever did in my life. And my son was in the passenger seat, a video in it, you know. And so Tucker McCandless is the one that really fired this off. Uh, he put it on YouTube, and it went nuts. And so then that's where Jeff Lambert comes in, sort of like you are, George. Uh, he's the savvy one, and he's like, man, you need to start your own page. I said, okay. And I said, how do I do that? He said, well, you know, you do this, you do that. And I'm like, all right, that's Mexican to me. And he said, man, I'll help you out. So I owe all the fast and pendulum to Jeff Lambert and his savvy ways. And, and I can't thank him enough. Armed Forces Racing, RaceSponsorships.net. I can't thank him enough. Uh, without Jeff Lambert, there would have been no Fast and Pension. Now, they might have been some goofy video, but there'd have been no Fast and Pension. So, uh, Tucker McCandlin and uh, Jeff Lambert uh, would be the two that I would have to thank for all of this, really. So, we've got something in the chat up here. We have a uh, the first story request from High Ride, and uh, they want to hear the story about the minivan and the diaper change. <laughs> Well, here we go again. It's like I said a little while ago, I, I've won a little bit of everything. And I had a Dodge minivan, and we had showed up at my local racetrack up here on a Friday night, and we were just going to go watch. I had my both my boys with me, and we didn't have anything to do. And they always had a little gambler's race, but it usually wasn't much, you know. So we wouldn't bring out our race cars for it. We'd just show up on Saturday. So we roll in over there, and when I pull in the gate, there's about 30 cars in line here. And I said, honey, I said, is that the foot brake place tonight? And she said, sure is. I said, what's it paying? She said, $1,000. I said, I want a ticket. She said, well, I've done dumb time trials. What are you going to race? I said, I'm going to race this. She said, you mean to tell me you're going to drive that in that place? I said, I sure am. Well, they've done dumb time trials, and I've never even been on the racetrack with this thing. So, but I know they're going to do two rounds of buyback. So, ours two time trials. So, I go over and I get in line with this old minivan. And, and just exactly what you said there a minute ago with the Cavalier. Man, I'm, I'm up here in the stage lane holding the brake and mat in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I get me a few practice hits in the staging lanes, you know. So, I go out. I deep stage this thing. And I don't even know what I ran. 12-something, you know. And, uh, but I came back and it repeated it within about three hundred. That ain't less than three hundred, they're in trouble, you know what I mean? My first hit, I was 50. My second hit, I was like 19. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. And then go again, I'm just holding the brake and matting this thing. When the top bubble come on, I'd mat it. When the third yellow come on, I'd drop the brake. You know? <laughs> so you know all about it. So we end up. Runner up in this in this minivan, and I split that thousand dollars. Well, they just could not believe that I had beat them in this minivan. You know, the people at the racetrack. So two weeks later, uh, Bristol. That was one of their points races. You know what I mean? And I thought, man, that van's actually better than my car. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't bad. So, but it wanted to spin a little bit every now and again. It'd leave it. You know, what cost you three or four hundred? So I called my buddy up uh, in Bristol, and uh, he was one of uh, the all-time best at winning in a streetcar. And uh, so I called him up. I'm like, uh, Tim Griffith is who I'm talking about. 
I mean, he flew to California and rented a uh, Jeep Cherokee and won the world championship. So, I mean, he's pretty good at it. So I called him. I told him what was going on. And he, I said, man, he wants to spin every now and again. What am I going to do? He said, man, he got leaf springs under the back. I said, yeah, man. He said, go to Walmart, buy you two basketballs, deflate them, and put them under the leaf springs and iron them up. And I laughed. I said, no, man, I'm serious. What can I do? He said, I am serious. He said, go get you some basketballs. I said, all right. So I go to Walmart on the way to Bristol now. I buy me two basketballs, the cheapest ones they had. I think I had five bucks from both of them. And so we get to the racetrack and we, we deflate them, put them up out of there under my best, not under my best judgment, but that's what he told me to do. So I stick them up under there and I air those things up, hit ride that thing up, it looked like a wedge. Well, it wouldn't spin now in the water box. All the weight was on the front, it wouldn't shift the weight, you know. So I'm sitting at six cars, still in the race in the quarter mile deal. Ryder is still in diapers. Jake's about 10, he's about 10. And Jake would hold Ryder while I would make the run. So he comes to me and he's got Ryder held out like a bomb and Ryder has used the bathroom, but it's a bad one. <laughs> Jake's about to throw up, he's weak, he's about. He said, Dad, you gotta get him, he's used the bathroom. I said, son, I'm three power from going on the racetrack. You're going to have to hold him. He said, I can't, Dad. I'm about to throw up. So he hands me Ryder, and I swing that sliding door open and throw him down there. And I'm about halfway through changing this diaper, and old cowboy, he's running the staging lane, and he comes back out there waiting on me. He said, Hot Rod, what are you doing? I said, you're going to have to give me a minute, cowboy. He's and I've got stuff up to my elbows. You know what I mean? He gets up that radio, he said, we're going to have to hold up a minute. Hot Rod's changing the diaper. They said, what? Hot Rod's changing the diaper. So they get on the intercom and say, all right, folks, going to be just a minute. Fast, or Hot Rod fast and finish and change the diaper. We're going to have to give him a minute. So I changed the diaper, go out, win the round, and end up winning the quarter mile race that day and, and had to change the diaper at six cars to do it. So. <laughs> It might be you one day, George. Hey, so be it. Hey, I want a story like that. That's something that'll never leave. That story will be with you for a lifetime. Oh, my <laughs> God. I mean, I, the whole racetrack, I mean, when they announced it, they just, all oh, everybody's just giggling and laughing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it is what it is. I had to change the diaper. I didn't have no choice. We got, we got one more story request over here, but I'm going to ask you this question here real quick, and then we'll, then we'll do another story right after this. So, if you could give any racer a piece of advice, like a newer racer, uh, it's kind of like what the Golden Bracket Racing YouTube channel was originally invented for. It's kind of just to promote bracket racing to the general population, I guess, and get more people involved. If you could give another racer one piece of advice that would kind of help them be more successful at the track, what would that be? And that can be like, you know, better equipment, like just mindset, things like that. But like, what, what would that be in your opinion? The biggest thing that I can that I can give anybody that wants to get into drag racing that's never did it or if they've done it all their life or what have you, and nobody likes to lose. I mean, we're all we all like to win, and that's another thing that I like about my videos. You go to the racetrack to have a good time first and foremost. You have to learn to lose and still have a good time. Uh, now, you know. If you accept losing, you're not a winner. It's okay to be upset. We all are. I, I, I mean, when I go through and my wind light don't come on, if you watch any videos, 
But when the wind light comes on, it's an immediate, you know, I've won because I go out nuts. And then when I lose, I look like a bobblehead, you know. <laughs> but I still, you know, I learn to do this whether I win or lose, and I get to go back to the pit. Now, sometimes it takes me about a minute to, you know, unwind from getting my butt kicked. But within five minutes out of that run, you would have thought I won the race, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's my advice to anybody. Don't ever don't ever get discouraged because you've gotten beat the third round every week for a month. Uh, you should let that motiv motivate you. And here we go again, goes back to my videos. I learn something on every run, win, lose, what have it, you know. And that's the reason I call my lights. It's the reason I call what I've seen at the finish line because I'm testing myself. And when I get the ticket, we get to see if I'm right. And if I'm wrong, then how did you see it wrong? You know what I mean? That's how you learn. You, you, you first got to be honest with yourself. You can't go out there and do something and come back and say, man, what'd you do? And, and lie to yourself about it. You got to be honest. Be honest with yourself. It's the only way you will get good. And just learn to accept it, uh, use it as fuel, and come back the next week. If, it, if you were the problem, fix that that week. If the car is the problem, you fix that that week. But... Uh, I guess the best advice is, is learn to lose with a smile on your face and use it as fuel for the next week. Fix whatever got you beat, make it better the next week, and before you know it, the wind lines will start coming on. They just will. No, that definitely in fact. But Casey, I'm sorry, we can't go to YouTube for the next story because Facebook over here is, I got about three different people asking for stories over here. Got, got, got uh, Judd Bostick. He's asking for a story, and I've got uh, Scott Sanders. Get him to tell you about causing Joey to wreck. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh -oh. oh, Joey, boy, he's a big part of my racing. Uh, he's been going with us for years and years and years. I met him at the racetrack also. And uh, we all worked at the uh, local uh, garage there, and after hours, you know, we would have our beverages, and we'd work on our race cars after hours, you know. And so we'd been there all evening long. We've all had a beverage or two, you know, and we were really bad about greasing each other up, you know. You'd go out and grab your door handle, it'd be a big glob of grease under it, you know. So we had greased him up really good, you know. Time's time for him to leave. So he goes out to get in the car, and obviously we know everything on it's got grease, you know. So he grabs that door handle, grease everywhere. So he comes back in. He's called us a little bit of everything. And, you know, he's got him a rag, and he goes out, and he's wiping stuff down, and everything he's touching. I mean, he, he knows how it works. He's helped us do it. So he's going around and getting the grease off everything, but he forgets one piece, and the handle where you open the door to get out from the inside it's covered up with grease he didn't wipe it down and i knew he didn't i'm watching so he gets everything wiped down gives us a, a pretty good uh, line of adjectives you know what i mean he's going home <laughs> so he leaves the shop and there's a red light it's 300 feet from the shop and i've watched him leave a million times if that red light catches him he'll open that door and get that dip of stone and throw it on the ground shut the door that red light catches him. So he reaches and grabs that door, and he's reaching and grabs that dip of skull before he's even realized his hand got greased all over it. He puts grease in his mouth and everything. So he's 300 feet from the shop, and I see the reverse lights coming. 
Well, here he comes back to the shop in reverse, and he's got her to the mouth now, and the further he gets, the worse he's getting that front end to doing this, you know? And when he gets that out of the shop, son, he turns that wheel and it slides around there. When he met the concrete where the shop parking lot started, it rolls the car over on his top. And he comes the parking lot on his top like a thimble going round and round. We had to go and start and stop the car from spinning to think we killed it. And it stayed the top from the dice. I mean, I'm not exaggerating like this got bad real quick, you know. So we think we've killed him, you know, so we get the car stopped and we crawl in here and we get him out and there ain't nothing wrong with him but his feelings, son. He is hot. So he comes in the garage and, and back then we still had phones on the wall, you know, everybody's got a cell phone now, phones on the wall. He calls his old lady, tells her that he's wrecked and that he needs her to come get him. Well, I don't know what she said to him. But it wasn't good. He beat that phone plumb off the wall. That left was the handle. He beat it plumb off the wall, called us a few more adjectives, and, and, and left. We didn't see him for a week. I, I'm not exaggerating. Like, he went MIA for a week. He went to the hills, and, and we didn't see him for a week. So we were just lucky we didn't kill him over a little police job, you know. Oh, man. Oh goodness! Oh, <laughs> one of a kind, and I wouldn't trade him for nothing. Oh man! Now that was worth the price of admission, right there. Uh, if, if you if you uh, if you heard that story, just give us a thumbs up in the Facebook or the YouTube, whatever. That was I, I got tears in my eyes, so I can't even see the next question. This runs too long. Oh man! Okay, all right, all right. All right. So so so. What number are we on, Casey? I've been laughing too hard. Do you know? We're on number seven. <laughs> seven. Seven. All right, all right, all right. What races are you planning on hitting for the remainder of the year? Uh, bottom, there's a the bottom bub bash going on at Beacon Dragway. Are you planning on hitting that? Uh, I think uh, Charlie Lockhart might be putting on that race. Definitely one that the, the flyer just, I mean, it, it has a lot of love in that flyer. I don't know if you're close to, to, Be to, to Beacon Raceway there in Kentucky, but... But uh, you got any uh, big races you're heading to? Well, uh, we definitely got – I'm a week-to-week -week racer, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I I don't have anything just locked down. Obviously, the World Footbreak Challenge is coming up. Uh, Galen and the guys has got one coming up down in Holly Springs uh, here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm on the list for that. Uh Michigan, the 500K, the 50, 50, 50, 500K. I'm rattling that around. That's the same week as the World Footbreak Challenge. So there's a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, this weekend, Scotty Richardson, there, there's races everywhere. Scotty Richardson's got one that's sort of, uh, it's on my mind. Uh, I've been to Edgewater a couple of times, and, and now Scotty's running that place. I'm really looking forward to getting up. Man, if you've never been to a Scotty Richardson ran race, it's he does the best job. Uh, he, he started, he took over Edgewater this year, and uh, he ran Clay City for a while. And man, I love all his events. Like I just love them all. So there's there's a handful of them. But here we go again. I'm a week to week racer. Uh, I'm a budget racer. Uh, so uh, do I have anything locked in the Gal uh, Galen's race here in two three weeks? I am on the list. Either I'll go or Jake will go. One of the two. Uh, and. But I really look forward to that one. Uh, but this little new thing that I've got, like that I can't bring up yet, 
uh, if that pans out, I'm going to be busy uh, up till the Michigan race for sure. So, but uh, we're working really hard on that, trying to get it lined out. But if that doesn't pan out, I will definitely be at Galen's race here in a couple of weeks. Uh, either me or Jake Warren will be there. And uh, the World Footbreak Challenge, if that don't pan out, I'll definitely be there. I love Jerry Pennington's race, uh, Steve Stotts. Uh, Prestige-wise, it's not the biggest money. But prestige-wise, I've never sat on a bigger stage. Uh, and I've run some pretty, I mean, I, you know, uh, the Loose Rocker races. I'm in the finals for 20 grand. I will never, ever forget it. It was phenomenal. But something about Bristol, man. It's Bristol, baby. Uh, it's home earth, and I don't know what it is about Bristol. But Jerry Pins and the World Footbreak Challenge, Steve Stotts, uh, just still stands out to me. So, uh, you know, if all this don't line out, I'll definitely be there. Uh, but I may be at Michigan. I'm working on that. Uh, that's really where I want to go, and I'm working on it. So uh, we'll see. Fired uh, up. But I'm a week-to-week kind of guy. Uh, you just really never know. And usually the week of, I start trying to announce where I'm going to be. Yep. And so, But that's sort of what we got on the burner right now. I feel like speaking of Bristol, um, I mean, it just seems to me like Bristol, you really – the winner at Bristol is always the best driver. It's not necessarily the best equipment. It's the best racer overall. And in my, that's why talking about Scotty Richardson, that's the reason why Scotty Richardson won the spring fling million there. Scotty Richardson, one of the best racers, if not the best racer that's ever lived on this planet. And it's a driver's track. So the best driver is theoretically going to win that race. I think, having good equipment would help. And I personally never raced at Bristol, but I've talked to a lot of people who have, and everybody has pretty much said that, yes, you want good equipment anywhere you go, but Bristol, you can't just bring good equipment and make time runs. You got to know what's happening while you're going down the track. Well, Bristol, Bristol's home turf for me. We race there probably as much as anybody. Uh, especially on a yearly basis. They only have a certain schedule, you know, and we're there 80% of the time. And great facility, they do great work, but you're exactly right. I don't know what it is about Bristol. You're up on that mountain, the air is horrible. Uh, the surface is great, but uh, if you can get a race car to repeat there just over and over and over, you're a genius. Uh, so exactly right, man. Bristol is a driver's racetrack. And that's why you see uh, Chris Plot has almost, he ain't dominated World Foot Break Challenges, but I guarantee he's made more rounds than anybody at the World Foot Break Challenge. Over the years, if we added him up, it's because he's such a good driver. Uh, it's every year he goes, um, you know, Bob Nasty Nick Hastings is another one. He's beginning to put his staff. It's a driver's race, it really is. <laughs> Do you think Scotty Richardson was no, you know, same deal? He drives so good, it wasn't a surprise that he wins that race. Do you think, uh, this is just a random thing I just thought of, do you think Nick Nick Hastings is the reincarnation of like me and George's generation of Scotty Richardson? Well, I've said it a couple of times here as of late. And now here's the thing about it you can't take anything away from. Troy Williams or Gary Williams or or any of the great uh, uh, that's coming through now. But nasty Nick Hastings, you know it, I know it, we all know it. The Richardsons, all the Richardsons, man, they've won everything. 
But these time and ages to do what Nasty Nick's doing is just sick. Uh, back when Scotty done all his winning and all of the greats, I won't say racing was easy, but equipment wasn't as good, and they just outdrove everybody. And now, Nasty Nick's doing it when I think race cars have outgrown our technology of equipment. Uh, race cars are so good now, and for Nasty Nick to do it as often, every time he goes against cars nowadays, just makes me think he's going to be the GOAT. He's still young. We can't put him there yet because he's too young. Right. If he continues on this pace, he's our Tiger Woods. He just right. is. Hmm. Uh, but, but like I say, you can't take anything away from, from all the greats, all the Richardsons and Williams, Troy Williams, and Skinny Kenny Underwood. And, I mean, all yeah. those guys are phenomenal drivers. But, man, Nasty Nick. And, and here we go again. Nasty Nick does it off the bottom. Again. That was what I was going to say. And the, you know, Scotty and all those guys, they've won their share at everything. But I don't, I don't know that they've ever won off the bottom at a 50 grand or a 100 grand or whatever against this kind of equipment. So here we go again. I'm not taking anything away from any of those greats. Scotty Richardson is one of my idols uh, from when I was young. Uh, as a young racer, I was watching him beat our brains in, me included. Uh, I'll tell you a good story on Scotty. Uh, we were uh, uh, Norwalk, Ohio. I was driving his S10 in the pro stuff. I was driving Mr. Satellite's car on the foot brake side. And they were having a $20,000 to win race. And we had busted the transmission case on Scotty's truck. So there's a guy with a little Ford Mavic parked right beside of him, running like seven O's. And he goes over and asks this guy, he's like, man, I broke my transmission. They're calling us to the lanes. I'm in this $20,000 to win race. <clears throat> Would you be interested in me driving your car in it? This guy looks at Scotty like, man, ain't nobody driving my stuff for nothing. And Scotty's like, well, man, I wasn't going to drive it for nothing. I was going to give you half of what I won. And that guy's like, well, what's it pay? It's 20 grand. He said, I might do that. And so Scotty said, well, all right, let me get my stuff. He said, what did you run last night? They were about the same size. That guy's like, and I went a 691 with a one. He said, put me a seven flat on it and I'll get my stuff. I'm like, you know, <laughs> never even seen this car. So he goes down there and lucky Scotty gets the fastest car in the class. He just dialed like 490. And here he's got a seven flat on this car that just went 691 and he's never sat in it. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be a joke. Wow. And he left and when it fell green, I thought, Man, that was good. You know what I mean? Like, that was supposed to go red. And he goes down there, and I hear him start ripping this thing at about 500 feet or something. And here this 490 car's coming. And Scotty was like 18 dead seven taking five foul on a 490 door car and had never, ever sat in this thing. And long story short, he goes on to win the race. <coughs> this guy, a pretty healthy little check at the end of the day. Jeez. I was just... He, he proved to me there that this guy is crazy. I mean, he, he is what he is, you know what I mean? And so uh, so there you go. I, uh, I can't take anything away from those guys. Uh, Scotty was one of my heroes as I was growing up as a young driver. And that's, that's a very good point, too, and that's the reason why I kind of always will think that Scotty is the best 
always because he can do it in anything and never have sat in before. Gary Williams can do that too. And uh, I've, I, I don't think Hastings couldn't do it. Hastings is by far better than me. I'll just say that. He will always be better than me, I'm sure. But I would like to see him try to do it in a different car. Yeah. yeah. Very, but he does it for a living. Why would he ever do that? He doesn't need to prove anything to me, that's for sure. You know? Right, right. Um, well, now you made a good point there. Like, you know, everything Nick's doing, and that car that he won all this in, I've got a good story on that, too. I was at uh, the same year that, that I just told you the story about Scotty. I was at Phil Combs' house, spent a week up there, because that was in the middle of making the trip. We had went to Clay City, and then we were going to Norwalk. So I stayed with uh, with uh, with my buddy there so that I wouldn't have to drive home. And that car that Nasty Nick has won all this in was sitting in his driveway for sale. <laughs> I sat down in it, and I could have bought this thing for $5,500. And I didn't buy it. And uh, Jose and the crew ended up buying the car, and the rest is history. I've drove the car a couple of times since, uh, and every time I've ever got in it, obviously this thing is sweet. It drives like a Cadillac. It leads awful good. And uh, but there you go again. Uh, you know, obviously he's done all these women in this car, but <clears throat> until he proves it, and I think he could get in a Tonka truck and do it. But until he proves it, you're right. You know what I mean? Uh, Scotty, we've seen him do it and everything. We've seen Gary Williams do it and everything. So, uh, and that does make a difference. Right. Well, I mean, Jeff, Jeff, Sarah, he obviously used something that shouldn't have even made first round in that guaranteed million, won the whole deal. And probably, and I'm sure he'd say this, at the end of the day, I'd be willing to bet he doesn't know what he's holding. <laughs> you know, it's just... The cards fell where they fell, and I mean, he he drove the wheels off it, won the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, and and I want to just back up just a little bit. Uh, uh, Matt Battis, uh, I mean, he wins this weekend. I mean, he's beginning to put his fingerprint. You know what I mean? And, and he done it in a different car this week. You know? Yeah, that little Grand M. Yeah, yeah. Give just a little shout out, even though he did run out of gas. I seen on Facebook today they said he was too cheap to fill the truck up, and he ran out of gas. <laughs> Didn't he just win twenty five thousand? You sure it was cheap? <laughs> no, oh, they made a comment that said those fifty thousand dollar checks was in the laying in the thing and he couldn't see the gas hand. <laughs> oh, got you, <laughs> Ohio. Yeah, there it is. Gilbert Lindsay says Ohio. Now Ohio is just really putting themselves on the map. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure enough. So. Rodney, if, if you could change one thing about bracket racing today, what would that be? Like, do you think that, you know, we kind of go back and forth on this, and we love watching big money racing, and if we could do some big money racing, we'd sure be there, and we got nothing against it or whatever, but what would you change about uh, bracket racing today if you could just wave a magic wand and, and do anything? Would you bring it back to what it was? Would you make it bigger than it is? What would you do? Well, boy, that's a big question there. I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm pretty flexible on all of it. There's goods and bads in it all. Uh, I, I really do think that the that the big money races are getting too many of them. They're just like this particular weekend. Uh, as I'm looking, trying to make a decision, your whole nine yards. Uh, 
Cody Pollage is putting one off and on in Indiana. Scotty's got a really good weekend deal going on. Virginia's got a really good deal going on. They're just happening everywhere. I, I wish that we could uh, slow that down just a little bit. But here we go again. I don't blame anyone. Uh, the big bracket money races have went nuts. Um, and uh, it just goes to show that bracket racing is not dying by no means. But, uh, but I would like to see it back up just a little bit because, uh, you know, not all, not all bracket racers are just loaded with money. And it, it, it eventually starts showing up. You only got a handful of people that's leaving in the, on the good side. And so I believe I would back that up just a little bit. But other than that, and then too, I, I really do like the, not every racetrack's got it. I think we'll eventually get there. That the true start, the first red light don't always lose, goes back to the slower guy. That's why we come out with bracket racing. I really think it's something they should have done to begin with because, you know, bracket racing's, you're not supposed to have an advantage. And then here we go again, exactly what I talked about a little bit ago. All these big money bracket races that I have worn out, I had the first chance to lose at every one of them. And mm -hmm. now you're going out running nasty medications. You've got to set up 15 or better and hope that's the worst it is. Because if you've yeah. got a style to work with, he's getting in it. So you catch yourself going out, having to be within 14 or 15 fouls being eliminated every time before they ever leave. Uh, I would probably uh, change that, and from the get-go, it would be the worst red light loses from the get-go. I guess maybe that would have been the thing I changed. And that's that makes a lot of sense, too. In fact, I was actually standing at the finish line this weekend after I was the third-round loser, and uh, after I took a mile, by the way, and it was, re I don't I don't even know, I mean, I was, I was within a half-second dial to this guy, and I had a mile, and I took all of it. Took a little extra because that wasn't enough, I guess. I mean, but uh, anyway, so I'm standing at the finish line talking to some guys, and that's what we were talking about was bracket racing was invented so the big wallet is in competition with the little wallet equally, and it it doesn't make sense why, like Loose Change, he was telling us that. Why, why does worst breakout always lose, but then the red light could always be paid for? It makes no sense. Yeah. You know? So I totally agree with you on uh, on that one. But uh, so, Rodney, this might be a story that nobody's heard yet because you just told it to me on the phone. I'm sure there's people who know it, but not out there on the World Wide Web yet. So tell the story about how you ended up signing a trailer the other day. <laughs> well, we went down to Edgewater, and, and man, I'm going to tell you what, I, I, I drove about as bad as I could possibly drive. My car wasn't perfect, but it was good enough, and uh, I just wasn't, I just couldn't get it. Uh, I throwed everything at them with the kitchen sink, but we had the absolute best time. Uh, me and old Joey Boy and Ryder, uh, my youngest, went down there. Well, actually, Jake went with us, and we towed a race car about five hours that was broke when we left and didn't know it we ended up having a blowed head gasket or something when he went to crank it it's just blowing water out the header so anyhow long story short man there were so many people down there that followed my stuff and i hadn't been down there in so long that i got to meet a lot of them uh it was uh and that's another thing that i love about my page the fast and Fincham deal uh i have met so many people uh, that I would have never, ever met if I hadn't started the Fast and Fincham page because that's how they learned to know me. And uh, so we're down there, and 
uh, this guy comes up and, you know, he tells me how, you know, he loves my stuff. And his little young boy follows our stuff. And, you know, we're just reminiscing. And they had a, a, a playhouse down there, the little blow-up playhouse, wow. you know, for the kids. And so Ryder had been down there and I told him, uh, he said, man, he said, you got a Sharpie? I said, yeah. He said, if you don't care, he said, I'd like for you to come and sign my trailer. And I thought, well, okay, you know, that sounds cool. And he said, man, I got to get my son one of your shirts. He's dying for it. He said, I've got one, but I didn't get him one, you know. And I said, well, what size does he wear? I had a few with me. And so, Lord and behold, I had his size. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, I got to go check on my little man. I, he's at the bouncy house. I said, a good parent would probably go check on him. He's been there all day, you know. But he wasn't but about, you know, he wasn't 30 yards from us. But anyhow, he said, well, that's good. He said, I'm parked down there right beside of it. And I said, well, all right, I'll be there in a minute. So, we end up going down there, we give the little boy the shirt, you know, and he just lit up, and, and, and he had a really, really nice trailer, and he wanted me to sign it on the inside, and he said, man, you ever signed a trailer before? And I said, no, this will be the first, and he said, well, you know, and it just tickled him to death, so I signed his trailer on the inside, some of the best people I've ever met, you know what I mean, I'll be friends with them forever, and their little boy, uh, uh, he goes over to the bouncy house, and, uh, when he gets in there and I get to bouncing around a little, you know, it's full of kids. And he said, man, that fast and fencing boy. Hang on good. Hey. Let me lose him for a second there. Hold on a minute. He'll be back. <clears throat> Hopefully. Ah, he's still in here. He's probably got to, got to answer the phone real quick. So possible. Yeah, possible. No guys, hope you guys are having a good time. Lude's fast fencible Rodney to get back on here. Uh, so remember to share the video, share it with your friends. Uh, make sure they know about the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel and Mr. Fast Benjamin. I, I see him coming back on here here in a minute. We'll hear him in a second. But uh, but uh, make sure you have guys uh, like and share there. You back with us, Rodney? Well, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. Can you see it? Yeah, yeah. You might have to hit that that uh, that uh, video camera, but we can still hear you. Okay, give me just. All right, Ed. Maybe. Let's see. There he is. Yep. All right, you got me? Yep. Yep. Okay. So, uh, but anyhow, uh, the, the little kid goes over, he gets in the bouncy house, and he tells him, he says, man, that fast and pension guy's here, and he said, I just got me a shirt. Well, my little one's in there, too, you know, and he's like, that's my dad. And he said, no, it's not. And he said, I'll get you. <laughs> you know, so. My little boy got to gloat a little bit there, I guess. Uh, uh, this little kid was just puffed up because he got one of her shirts, you know, and and he couldn't he couldn't fathom that that was my son, you know what I mean? But they ended up becoming really good buddies too, and it was just a great weekend. But I've never ever signed a trailer before, and and uh, uh, it tickled them and tickled me to do it. <laughs> so we're coming up on that. Uh, actually, we are at an hour, but as always on the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. Before we get out of here, Rodney and Again, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this has been uh, a quite a, a great one for me. I'm never going to forget this, and YouTube won't either because it's going to be on there forever. So you can just push play on that as many times you want to. But but uh, do you have anybody that you'd like to thank uh, before we get out of here? Um, anybody you want to shout out? Well, obviously, uh, I, I I give all these companies all the credit that they really deserve. I, I couldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at without some of them, but my dad, I, I'm, I'm just going to give him the biggest shout out. Uh, here we go again. Without him, I wouldn't have been here. 
uh, without his knowledge, watching him grow up, I wouldn't be as good as I am. I mean, I put my twist on it in the years. I always I go back to my dad. He's still racing in the 80s, you know what I mean? But uh, but without my dad, uh, none of this ever happens. He got me in the sport. He got the fire in my blood. But uh, Shane Cook, Cook's Auto, obviously uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have even raced at all this year uh, without him. So uh, none of this year would have happened without him. Uh, and then here you go, all the companies, FTI, Pro One Safety. Uh, I, I uh, started running the Hoosier Tire this year. Lucas Walker got me hooked up, so I really thank him for that. Uh, Velocity Carburetors, uh, anybody's looking for a great carburetor and a great guy to talk to. Uh, he, he's taught me a lot. My dad always said I dreamed I was a carburetor mechanic, and he was really right. When I met Velocity Carburetors and Mike and his family, uh, he really showed me that I dreamed I was a carburetor mechanic. So, but uh, uh, um, be cool radiators, uh, chassis engineering, uh, and I'm going to leave somebody out. But there's so many people. My sons, Jake, uh, uh, Ryder. Uh, I've raised both of those kids in the back seat of my truck or under the truck or something camping at a racetrack all their lives. They both turned out to be pretty good kids. So. Uh, my my girlfriends, my family, you know, it hits it, a big circle. You know what I mean? Everybody has to sacrifice for me to go out and race every weekend somewhere and do these videos. So, you know, I just want to thank all those people. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and again, everybody here, don't forget, uh, you can see it on our stream. Head over to the Fast Pitch Facebook page, hit that like button, uh, buy a t-shirt, Tell, you, tell your friends about it, whatever you got to do there. Uh, but uh, if you don't, I promise you, you're missing out. That's all I got for you. Uh, I, I can't put it any other way uh, th besides that you're missing out. So uh, before we get out of here, Casey, you got anything to close with? And the only thing I got to say is I really appreciate you being being with us here at Hot Rod. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this. I know you've been sitting there in the sun, probably being hot. Um, but we really appreciate all this, and uh, we'd love to have you back sometime, tell a couple more stories. I'm sure you'll have a boatload of them at the end of the year. Uh, maybe over the wintertime we can get you back whenever we're all, uh, what do they call that, whenever you're holed up in the winter. We can't go racing. Maybe uh, getting cabin fever, that's what it is. When we're all having cabin fever, we'll get Hot Rod back, tell us some stories, make us laugh in the wintertime. <laughs> and old Jake says... Uh... Jake Ball, Jake Ball says there's a wagon in the shop waiting on you to fix it when you get done. So uh, well, somebody must be waiting on you, Fastman. Well, <laughs> that's my son, Jake Ball. That's my son, and uh, that's the Vega wagon, and that's the one that we towed all the way down to Edgewater with a blowed head gasket or something. So I'm sure, uh, 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 like I say, my girlfriend had some surgery there last week, so I've been the home nurse. I haven't got to touch anything. So, uh, son, I'll get out there and get on that just as quick as I can. But yes, I've definitely got to get that thing tackled and hopefully get him ready to go this weekend. And the rest, of, I mean, there's just so many irons in the fire. And there just ain't enough hours in the day. But uh, we'll get him back going or we'll get him in something for sure. So, uh, but, man, I can't thank you enough for having me on. I always love telling these stories. And uh, uh, like I say, the next few weeks could be really interesting. So, uh, as we say, fast and pinch them, like and share, like and share. And, uh, man, I can't thank you enough for having me. That's any time. You just let us know when you're ready to come on back because uh, we got a warmed-up seat for you and uh, a welcome. Uh, and uh, as we get out of here, let's give a little shout-out to our upcoming races. 
Um, there, you know, we got the foot brake uh, race going on, the bottom bolt bash out in uh, at Beacon, Beacon Dragway. So if you guys get a shot, if you're in that area, there's probably going to be something going on there. Like I said before, they put a lot of thought into this uh, into this flyer. Uh, but uh, as always, guys, we'd like to thank you for joining us here at the, the Gorn Bracket Racing YouTube channel. And uh, we'll see you guys next Tuesday.